This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Total Saints podcast, our weekly get-together discussing all things Southampton Football Club. We're live streaming our podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch and YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure that you subscribe to the channel to be the first to see our latest videos. As always, a massive thank you to our TSP patrons who support all that we do. You can visit patreon.com forward slash Total Saints podcast to find out more about getting involved. Coming up this week on the pod, it's finally flushed. Saints' 11-year run in the Premier League ended in tame fashion with relegation confirmed after defeat at home to Fulham. Let me tell you, tonight's guests are like three coiled springs ready to unleash. Unfortunately, there are still two games left to play slash suffer. Uh, the next is a short trip to Brighton this weekend, so we'll preview that game for you as well. My name's Martin Stark, and I'm joined this week by Steve Grant, the owner of Saints Web, Glenda the Core, the writer of the blog League One Minus Ten, and Jacob Tanswell, Southampton reporter for The Athletic. Underpinned by our TSP patrons, this is episode 233 of the Total Saints podcast. Your home for everything Southampton FC. From dedicated Saints insight to exclusive interviews. Live on YouTube every Sunday and available to download wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is the Total Saints Podcast. So there we have it, down and out without as much as a whimper with relegation from the Premier League confirmed at the full-time whistle yesterday, that 2-0 home defeat to Fulham. We'll get on to that in good time. Um, Glenn, this could be the audiobook version of your blog, really, the next 45 (laughs) minutes. Um, But I'm going to start with how does this compare for you to 2005 and the last time? 2005, even though we had Harry Redknapp as a manager, we at least tried and we took it to the last day. And I think, you know, I think if we'd have beaten Man United on the last day and the results had gone with us, we we would have stayed up. I mean, it didn't turn out that way because if you look at who was in the who was in the 2005 Manchester United side, they were um, they were rather good. As far as I remember, off the top of my head, it was, you know, it was Roy Keane, Cristiano Ronaldo, Ruud van Nistelrooy, players like that. So well, Van Nistelrooy got the winner, didn't he, I think? Yeah. So it was, 
and we had Nigel Quasi playing for us, which kind of <laughs> says it all. It was never really going to happen, was it? So that one was that one felt worse because it was 27 years. I think we'd been in been in the top flight, and it was it was a bit. You know, it was on top of us moving to St Mary's, and St Mary's was supposed to provide the lift that meant we weren't a relegation threatened sort of club anymore. Um, ha ha ha. So um, yeah, that, so that didn't happen, and we went down. So that to me felt worse. Maybe, you know, I mean, how long ago was it? Eighteen years ago. So maybe now, being eighteen years older, you're a little bit more, or I'm a little bit more, whatever about it. But it, it I mean, yesterday's game, we'll, we'll get onto that. But it, that was just. That was the whole season in a nutshell, wasn't it? It was just crap. Just a dreadful game. Nothing happened. Boring. And and we lost again. So the the relegation in, in 2005, we, we wrote the book on sort of how to how to get relegated, three managers in one season, bad transfer windows, all this sort of stuff. And we've updated the book this time around. Um and we've you know, but but that season, you know, like in January, we didn't spend any money. Mm. We we just, I think we were frightened what Harry Redknapp was going to do with it. But um, we didn't spend any money. We just got a couple of loan players in and we were always going to struggle. And so it turned out it, it shouldn't have been that way this season. I can't remember what the, you know, the strength of the bottom half of the division was like in 2005. But this year, as it's been well documented, it's been rubbish. And it should have been relatively easy to win three or four more games but when you look at it we're going to end up with 24 points because you I can't see us getting another point and and that that is appalling I mean what's the um what's the lowest ever 11 oh 11 is it oh, is Dar- that, that Derby County yeah I thought yeah. it was no- I thought it was 19 for some reason but it, it, yeah, some, Sunderland it, I think might have got 19 one of their terrible yeah. seasons yeah they I mean they've I think they've had a 15 as well so yeah we're we're not the worst by any stretch but based on kind of vague sort of expectations of at least basic competence yeah we've not even come close have we no, no. i mean tw- 24 points it's just it's just embarrassing isn't it i mean f- just for a bit of a comparison do you remember the claw puel season when everyone kicked off including me because the football was rubbish basically i think he got 48 points yep mm. that's double what we've got this season so that that shows how bad this has been it's it's easily our worst season in the premier league uh, or in the in, in the top division, certainly since the three points for a win came in, yeah, and, it, and it's been awful. So, uh, but you know, for a lot of people, this will be their first um, as supporters. This will be their first sort of relegation. So, I do, I do understand why you know pe- people younger than me are, um, are taking it so hard. But it is, um, you know, the championship's not all bad. It, um, I mean, it's not all good either. No, it's not all good <laughs> either. But I remember the, the first game in the championship when we got relegated before we had. Um, do you remember the, the right back with the long hair, Alexander Ostland? Mm, yeah, mm. He, was, he was mad, wasn't he? And I, I remember him getting booted in the face in the first game. And he Jesus, just, they used to call him Jesus, didn't they? Was that? Yeah, him? he just yeah. He, he just got up and got on with it. So there, <laughs> there, is, there is more of that. There's less, there's less of the prima donna stuff. Yeah. Hopefully that hasn't changed, and it's, it's, you know, it's still combative without, without all the bits that you don't like in the in the Premier League. So and um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to believe now, but you know you. You got to believe we will win more than six games next year, and uh, we'll score more Steady than the, we'll score more than the twelve goals or whatever it is we've scored. So, uh, so yeah, there there are some things to look forward to, but there's a lot of pain to go through um, before then. It was one of my thoughts today. I'm just 
desperate to see my club win a game of football. It's been that long. I've forgotten what it's like. And I just hope it comes sooner rather than later. Um, Steve, you've had a, a few hours, um, 24 hours or so to, to mull it over. What's your overriding emotion at the moment? Boredom. Apathy. Yeah, it's just... <laughs> I mean, I think we've we've all kind of, at various stages in the last four or five months or so, accepted that we are more than likely to go down. But there was always kind of a glimmer. I think probably up until probably up until Monday night, really. Weirdly, in a game where we actually picked the team that most of us would have picked and kind of played all right. And you you kind of thought, well, if, we, if we'd kind of done that for the, for most of the season, then perhaps we wouldn't be um, marooned at, at the bottom of the league. But my God, yesterday was dull as hell, wasn't it? It was there was just nothing going on, no no appetite to to even bother getting out of second gear. And that goes for Fulham as well. They but then they they kind of probably felt they didn't need to. Because we've all seen this playbook dozens of times this season already. Kind of vaguely keep the game keep the game tight in the first half. Not really an awful lot going on from either side. And then first time the opposition try and run at us in the second half, we concede and we collapse in a heap, and that's that. That's game over. And yeah, Fulham Fulham had their had their game plan kind of nailed in that respect. It was very comfortable. And, from their part, and they didn't even need Mitrovic um, to come on. Really, they could they could have quite happily um, left him uh, stewing on uh, stewing on the bench and let the guys that have taken up the slack in his absence uh, carry on. But no, they brought, brought him on, and he obviously got his customary goal. And yeah, it's it was just I mean, very much just a feeling of why are we bothering? I mean, I don't know what the sort of pre pre match sales figures were, but I imagine there were a lot of people who who had either match tickets or season tickets who just didn't bother turning up yesterday. Did you stay to the end yesterday? What was it like when that full-time whistle went? It was odd. It was very, very strange. I mean, obviously, sort of a, a sort of chorus of boos from the, it's probably about half the ground that was maybe, maybe just under half the ground that was still left in there at full-time. Um, so a chorus of boos from everybody. But then the reaction was just baffling from kind of everybody. When the players sort of started going round on this, I mean, rather rather apt, half-arsed um, lap of honour, <laughs> there, there was a distinct mixture from, um, certainly from the northern where uh, where I was, of like a volley of abuse from from various quarters. But then you kind of looked around and there were there were groups of people that were that were Given them that were giving them a round of applause for this for this uh, sort of noble lap of a lap of non appreciation, and it, it was just like, have you have you been watching this for the last eighteen months? How does any any of this justify any sort of? I mean, especially the 90, 90 minutes today. How has any of that justified any sort of applause or, I mean, even basic sympathy? Um, it was just garbage, and that's but that's kind of I think that's kind of football fan bases in a nutshell really in that nobody can ever agree on one position to take and as a result football clubs will always prey on that and and will make stupid decisions make decisions that kind of aren't in the interests of fans um vis-a-vis ticket pricing allocations that that sort of thing um because they know that there's enough of, there's enough people that will just happily um go along with whatever the club says as if it's just gospel. So yeah, it's it was a it was a very strange five minutes or so of after the game once they uh, once they sort of embarked on that sort of weird sort of loop round part of the ground. But I mean, to be honest, if if I was them, I wouldn't have bothered. It's not. I mean, what's they they knew what the reaction was likely to be from from a lot of people. So kind of, what's the point? Why why 
why stick your head above there to be to just get a volume you're of kind of damned people. if you do damned if you don't i guess yeah um, to an extent i mean at the end like of the day that. if um i mean i mean after yesterday I, i'm kind of more along more along the lines of well whichever ones of these of these guys are out the door in the summer i couldn't give a toss yeah yeah there's just i mean yesterday when i mean yes i know it was kind of all but done but surely surely there's professional pride among those players and I mean, even even the ones like Walcott, who who's been one of our better players this calendar year. I mean, what was that? I mean, that there was that one touch in the first half where he went to lay it off to um, Walker Peters, and he he misplaced it by about twenty yards, and it and it just seemed as if it was just such a lazy touch, and it was just like, oh come on, lads, really? Are we are we are we down? Is this the point at which we're downing? Um, visually downing tools. We were talking last week, weren't we, about what we wanted to see and what we expected to see from the players for the last three games. And some of it was, well, we want to see them put a few things right. We want to see their attitude, their application. We want to see yeah, we were those that want to be there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think well, last week, I think we said we'll be lucky if we see any of that. So to a certain extent, you know, we were right. Jacob, this has been your first season covering Southampton for the Athletics. So do you think you <laughs> need to follow so, shoulder some of the blame here. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. We're apportioning yeah. out blame. <laughs> yeah, you think uh, you know, ten, eleven years in the Premier League, I, I've had a scene to get for nine of them, uh, and it's uh, typical that I get this job when everything goes wrong, and um, there's an absolute circus, really, just after relative stability for the other the other part of the decade. Yeah, at the full time, was it was strange because you know I, I probably came to terms with relegation probably in January maybe I thought yeah this is this is probably untenable now uh, I thought there might be a little brief uh, renaissance with the new signings but I think you know I saw the Brentford game where you know, obviously Nathan Jones had his meltdown and everything after that and I thought oh, it's, it's gonna be difficult because these players aren't capable of going on any consistent run and I think you probably have to get back-to-back wins to to really dig your way out of it but even still at, at the full-time whistle I just felt really just drained and I had to sit there for a while because I just you know I, I got a little bit emotional to be honest yeah I was just thinking what what am I watching now like hmm. these players I, I can I have some memories of that of that relegation the previous one and I, I remember there's a bit of fight I remember David Pratt in that season obviously pushing over the linesman and things like that just thinking there was a bit of character things were going wrong but you know they took it to the final day they fought they fought a little bit where well, this just felt I just felt like wow this, this is what the club is now. You know, people are leaving. People that really, you know, aren't really caring. They're apathetic. These players on the pitch. You look at who sat in the, um, obviously the owners' box. You, you think it's an absolute collective, collective responsibility. And uh, yeah, I just felt really drained. And even afterwards, uh, in the press conference room, and you know, Celis was his shortest press conference ever, really. And that's a surprise considering how how big a issue this or relegation is. And I just think everyone came to terms with it, where no one had anything left, and. It was, it was just such a huge shame. And yeah, I think football works in cycles and Slamton, the cover of Slamton statue will have highs and lows. But if they were going to go out, I, I would have liked to have thought it would have gone a little bit better than this. And the fact that not many people, well, who I've spoken to were that emotional about it um, probably sums up that everyone came to terms with it a long time yeah. ago. And for, for, a, for a team that wants to fight tooth and nail to get out of relegation, as you know, which as Slamton fans, we all, we all want. I think it was a, it was a dismal showing in that. Especially that first goal, Fulham's probably just completely sums up that season. 
Yeah, I've heard that said a lot, actually, since then. Glenn, I, I kind of felt like, I know like we had it coming. Um, we've been flirting with relegation for a, a few years now. I'm just angry the more I think about it because it was so avoidable. If you think about when we slipped into the relegation places, I think it was the 6th of November, and we've been there ever since. So that's even you know two months before the January transfer window opens. You've got the World Cup break going on. There was plenty of opportunity, in my mind, to put this right, and they, they've not done it. No, they haven't at all. And if you appoint two appalling managers in a row in the same season, you've had it. You know, you're never going to get out of it. But this group of players, even if you go back a couple of seasons, whenever they had a chance to do something positive, like, you know, even break into the top six or break into the top half or whatever it was, they always failed. Every single time it was like the mentality is not there to, to push themselves further to actually achieve something so looking back now I mean yeah we ended up in the relegation zone in November I think we went bottom pretty soon into Nathan Jones's was it tenure. Boxing Day yeah it was, it was those games on Boxing Day I think we got up to 19th once when we beat Leicester I think we went above Bournemouth for one week and then three weeks later Bournemouth were 10 points ahead of us so you know that's 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 kind of the way kind of the way it's been so yeah when you I hadn't really thought about that but yeah it's it's no surprise to me that we have not even <laughs> raised a jog really to try and uh, to try and get out of the relegation zone I just you know just don't think the mentality is there in the club and that's top to bottom to fight their way out of a paper bag basically they just they just don't have it in them and and that is something that's that's got to change um, and you know I, mean, I was I was thinking about this. If we went into next season with the same squad, I know it's not going to happen, but if we went in with the same squad and the same manager, I don't reckon we'd finish in the top half. We're not going to string a, a, a run of three wins together, are we, if that happens? No, we, we, because this this group are so weak. You know, they're, they're just not... They're just, there's, they're just, there's not a functioning team there. there's not a functioning collective there. There's the odd individual decent player, as we all know, but Celes has been there all year, right from from the start in various roles. He's had 15 games. We probably only needed to win five of them. But, I mean, for me, the worst bit was the the Nathan Jones bit. We just wasted eight games that were all potential games we could have got points in. So, you know, replacing Ralph with him and then replacing him with Celes has just killed the whole... Killed the whole thing, really, and I'm I'm not surprised that looking back now that we we didn't escape the uh, bottom three or even look like escaping the bottom three. I think we're confirmed last now, aren't we? So even if even if by some miracle we do win, <laughs> do win both games, which of course we won't, we are we are confirmed flat last. So uh, so uh, yeah, something something in the bag that we've got to take into next season. It's very rare, Steve, isn't it, that three managers. Uh, in a season works out for anybody two poor managerial appointments this year for us maybe certainly I think one that should have gone in the summer is is that hesitation do you think not getting rid of Ralph when they weren't gonna back him do you think that has led to to partly to where we are today and and the the discord in the dressing room yeah I mean I I kind of think that I mean, I mean my, my personal view at the time was that Ralph had done had shown enough positive work over the previous three and a half years that he he deserved a crack of it with us actually able to spend some money. And they let him down by not buying him the centre forward that, that we needed. Obviously, we were in for two or three options that, on the face of it, their records pre, uh, beforehand and since probably would have probably would have done the job for us. 
and we would have then been absolutely fine. And then, I mean, this conversation then is a completely different one, isn't it? But given that the 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 sort of split, um, according to Jacob uh, from Jacob's article, the split of those who kind of had a say on on the managerial situation in the summer given that it was split so tightly down the middle. I mean, they've, they've obviously decided to stick with the status quo, whereas I think in that situation, if you have effectively half of your executive board not confident in the in the current guy in charge then i think you've you've got to then have the have the balls to to say nope sorry we're gonna we're gonna have to make the make the change now because let's be honest you're you're more likely to find a a top manager in the summer um who's going to want to take on take Mm -hmm. on the role than halfway through the season when you're frantically scrambling and and you you then go after all kinds of desperate uh desperate sort of options um as we ended up doing i mean we've we've picked a guy who was absolutely hopeless who had no no track record that he was ever going to be able to do do the job for us we've spent millions of pounds bringing him in um and he's then gone and rubbed salt in the wounds by doing his first um first uh press interview on the day we get relegated which i'm pretty sure will have been choreographed on his part that's that's the sort of ego that that has so it's that's i mean we've we've kind of walked walked into this head first he he admitted yesterday there are things that he would have done differently this was uh nathan jones on sky sports yesterday afternoon stayed uh, looting. Well, yeah um yeah i think so, he, he nah, was on right, to talk that's... about the looting game wasn't he and then ended up obviously being dragged into talking about southampton so it just yeah it wasn't what i wanted to hear or see his face on the telly yesterday and hear him but so I mean, Jacob, obviously the other thing that is going to come up time and time again with all these these articles and all these conversations that we're going to have post-relegation is the player recruitment. And that you can't, there's no two ways about it. Maybe one player, it's worked out, but the rest has just been horrendous. Yeah, I think it's been the theme throughout throughout this season, really, in terms of the, obviously the imbalance. We can talk about imbalance of youth and inexperience. And I think from sport published perspective, they'll say, you know, we've we've actually bought experience. We've got all sitch in. So let us are. Have these been successful? But then on the flip side, and my argument would be, if you are going to bring experienced players in, make sure they're permanently proven. For example, in the summer, Salampton had the option to buy Ben Me or get in for free. Ben Me, Connor Cody, at times. Tyrone Mings when Stephen Gerrard was uh, casting him out of the way and they didn't get any of the three despite efforts from certain people in the club to get Connor Cody or whatever the Sport Republic ultimately with you know with Joe Shields as well at the time went for Saleta Sar, who is 20, 25, 26 but he's not got Premier League experience and he's not going to ha- provide that backbone to supplement these young players and if you say okay Lavia Armel Bella Kotchup were good uh, Bazunu will probably hopefully come good you then go into the January recruitment where Joe Shields has gone the people in the club the staff are becoming disillusioned because they're slowly starting to see what the strategy is or the lack of strategy there's a lot of people still at the club who are not sure what the strategy is which I look forward to seeing what they, uh, what they say it is come the end of the season when they sit down with the media um, Sport Republic that is and then they go into the January window and Russell Zankerson leads it and he goes off for a month no one really knows what he's up to and he signs these players and I can obviously they like to say that a lot, a lot of it's data-led because Henrik Kraft and Rasmus Angerson weren't happy at all with the existing infrastructure they said it was too old school they thought it was quite rudimentary and and that's the reason why these failed recruitments predated this summer but at the same time they've ended up with a signing called Paul Onuachu who Rasmus Angerson knows well from his time at Midgelands who can't press can't really run and unless he's got people around him. 
and he plays completely different to how Salampton want to play. Uh, so I would he's, got the first, he's got the first touch of an average Sunday league player. That's your words, but not mine. <laughs> but that's I would I wouldn't from the outside. I would look at it and think that's data led. I don't think I don't think the data would particularly show favourable for him. And then you have Mislav Orsic, who you know he could be a good player, but at the same time, people said this to me at the time. Very good player for a team that keeps possession. Very possession-based because he's not the quickest. He's not great on the counter, but he works combinations in and around, you know, with full-backs with people, similar to like a Jaden Sancho, for example. But <laughs> under Nathan Jones and Sellers, they don't really have the ball much. They don't really want the ball. So that didn't work. And I don't think that showed up on the data. It's not the issue whether these players are good. It's do they fit? And I don't personally think a lot of these players do. You know, Charlie Alcaraz is probably one that they'll look at and they're going to think, well, that's, that's going to be a fantastic signing for years to come. But they've hemorrhaged and wasted a lot of money this season. And I think it's partly through recruitment, but it's also through scouts centralising the system, becoming disillusioned. You know, Tom Stockwell, what you said in the piece yesterday, he was in charge of moving all the scouts over for anchors and he was the key guy. He's now resigned. So there's no one really left at the club. So this summer... It's massive. They've got a shortened preseason, and somehow they've got to completely overhaul this whole recruitment infrastructure and make sure they get it perfect. Because if they don't get it perfect, I can't see Slampton having that bounce going into the new season. So it's a huge few months for them, and they've got to turn a tie because the last two windows have been pretty, pretty chaotic. I mean, the obvious question is, do we trust them to get anything right? But I'm not going to go down that route, Glenn. It, it seems quite old school, doesn't it? Actually, you know, going and watching a player, seeing what his first touch is like, seeing if he can score a few goals, and then, you know, maybe looking at a manager that's got a decent win ratio and, and, and can put a team together. It, it, it seems it's quite an old school way of doing it, but it's worked for quite a while. You know, there's a reason why they do scouting like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Re- reinventing the wheel, trying to trying to find an edge is all well and good, but there's conventional football wisdom, which is, which has been there for <laughs> since football was played where, for example, you can't have too many young players in the team. You know, you have to have, you have to have some experience there. It does worry me that we're going off on these, these flights of fancy. I mean, I remember watching the YouTube video of Paul Onoachu's goals in Belgium and you, you could see that he didn't have a touch. You could see he was big and slow. So, Someone, whoever was the manager at the time, should have been saying, I don't think he's really going to fit. Knowing what Rasmus said about, um, you know, about Nathan Jones when he signed him and the metrics, he, he was, he's probably said something like, well, the, the Belgian league is the sixth best league in the world or something daft like that. And Mislav Orsic, you, you know, you've just mentioned him. I mean, 30 years old and he's played in South Korea and Croatia. Mm. So there was a massive question mark over whether he was going to be okay to play in the Premier League. Um, you're always on dodgy ground signing players who, who are not quick. You know, if, if and older players take longer to take longer to adapt. So, so those two have been a disaster. But I will say, in Onoachu's defence, even though he has these faults, we don't play to his strengths. What one one cross we got in against Fulham, and he, that's the closest we got to scoring, mm. apart from the offside goal. But we just did, we just don't don't use him. You know, obviously he needs players around him. So Sellers plays him up front on his own. Basically tells Walcott and Armstrong to to play deeper, to probably to cater for his sort of lack of pressing. So with the, the quote that always makes me laugh from the whole season was Henrik Kraft saying, we have aligned departments. So like the football side and the boardroom side and the recruitment side, and it's utter garbage. You've only got to look at the, you know, we, we, we signed a player that in Onoachu that probably suited Nathan Jones' style of play. We signed... Sulemana, 
who didn't suit Nathan Jones's style of play because he didn't want wingers. So much money has been wasted on these these flights of fancy from from Sport Republic, and I I get that they want to do things their way. That's their right as as the um, as the owners, but. If you try and do too much too quickly, I think that's where where you end up in the situation that we're in. I mean, you know, they they love the fact that we signed Tina Tina Livermento for five million, but you know, doubling down on that and trying to sign seven players or whatever yeah, it was, those deals don't happen very often. No, 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 and and some of them work and some of them don't. And yeah. you know, we Bella Kotap's been a qualified success, Lavi has been a success, Idozi fits and starts, but nothing nothing much really from him. So mm. yeah, you. There is a place for conventional football wisdom. It's not just about, you know, throwing everything out. But then I guess in Brentford, you know, when he, when they were in charge of Brentford, you know, they started off in the championship and it, it's probably easier to do things slightly differently there without as without as much pressure and as much um, as much spotlight as they're in the Premier League. So so we'll see. But yeah, they, as I've said plenty of times before, they got to start getting things right. The other thing you'd expect to be out the door pretty soon, Steve, would be the the playbook. I get the impression that that's got to go sooner rather than later. And this whole way of playing the 4-2-2-2 that's just clearly not worked, <laughs> failed. I mean, that's not really been a thing for a while, has it? I mean, even Ralph binned it in the summer last year with that sort of ill-fated attempt to switch to a, to a back three. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's kind of been out, out of the out the window for a while but I mean it's it for me it's not even about having one system it's finding something that works for the players that, that you've got available to you and that will that will I mean in Premier League it's slightly more important but in the championship slightly lesser so because theoretically we've got better players and you can kind of just go with what go with what you want really but certainly in the Premier League you have to you have to tailor your your approach to whoever you're playing and actually, we've done that quite well in the big in the games against the bigger sides, and we've and we've we've praised praised sellers, and we play praised the players for the way that they've set the way that the team's been set up, and the way that we've played in the games against the bigger sides because we know that they'll come at us and they'll give us space and that exploit that gives us room to exploit on the counter attack. But we're not going to come up against very many teams like that at all in the championship. There are going to be a lot of teams who are going to come to St Mary's who are going to say, right, lads, we are sitting here for 90 plus minutes and we will nick something. And that'll be the game plan week in, week out for for teams against us um, next season because that's what a lot of the championship teams do. Um, anyone that's that's kind of out, outside the playoff picture, it's it's not going to be not going to be particularly pretty and we're going to have to find ways to to kind of crack that um crack that nut open and um how how we do that what system we play i mean yeah i think that that all that will be determined by who they bring in as as manager whoever that is will you would like to think have an idea of either the way they necessarily want to play or will have had a will have had a look at our squad um in advance and we'll be able to come up with a system that works for the players. Because I think at times you've kind of, as a manager, I think you've got to be slightly pragmatic at times in that your your preferred system uh, won't necessarily be the best system for the for the players you've got available. Jones obviously had uh, wanted to play wing backs, wanted to play long ball, and we didn't have the players that were that were suited to it. And yet he stubbornly kept kept sticking by it and and telling everybody the, telling everyone the sky was red. And yeah, it, it just doesn't doesn't work that way. You've got to you've got to be adaptable these days. Modern managers and modern coaches, the best ones are the ones that can a, can adapt to um, the environment. And 
that's what we've that's what we've not had for I mean, Ralph Ralph was good at it for the first two two and a half years and basically after from that Villa game onwards kind of lost the plot a little bit hmm. so it's not like it's not like we haven't had recent managers who who aren't capable of that and you know just we've got to got to find someone who's gonna get us through that the jungle that is the um the championship because it's it's going to be a slog. Just a couple more bits on the, the dire situation that we're in at the moment. Jacob, when Sport Republic came in, what, 18 months ago? They said at the time they were going to uh, leave those that were already running the club to it and they were going to let them get on with it. Normally in, in business, that doesn't really happen, does it? You might have a bit of a handover, but by and large, the, the directors go and new broom sweeps clean they bring their own men in do you think perhaps they could have been a bit more ruthless sooner some of the the division perhaps that that's going on today do you think that would have been avoidable had they they come in and said actually do you know what we are going to take charge and and set their stall out like that from the start yeah maybe but i don't think it's a case of ruthlessness it's just about being clear what actually is the strategy like you know if amount of people that i've I've spoken to who have brought up that conversation and those opening interviews where they said we're not going to interview and even martin seven saying we went with them because they they like what we're doing you know they they're going to let us have it they're going to facilitate us but you know we're still running the club the direction of the club uh but it's not been the case and even now like i spoke to a few people last week they i say what is the strategy what is the what is the overarching strategy of sport club is it to sell pe- to buy young players sell them on that and everyone even these people that are very close to it pe- they don't know they don't know what the strategy is because I don't know if it's a lack of transparency, but I just don't think they've ever had this experience of running such a big organisation. You know, Rasmus Angerson was at Brentford, where he was assistant. So these guys are in charge of it. What is the overall strategy? That's not been discussed or divulged divulged with staff. So I think the thing that they had to do was set the story out, be clear, what is the strategy? What are we trying to head? And I think it's similar to style of play. It's not about a formation. It's about a having stability having a having a foundation where you can build on so you might change formations a lot but you know what the overarching principles are and it's the same in businesses it's the same off the pitch as well but no one seems to know you look at the managers that went for nathan jones direct uh once go goes high tries to be aggressive then they get they sack him they all decide they all come together let's go back to harson at all uh football get jesse marsh comes in Oh no, it's not Jesse Marsh because Jesse Marsh thinks, okay, they want high pressing now, but eventually at the end of the season, they're going to want to move away from it again. So in within a space of three, four months, they've gone into three different strategies of how they want to play. Imagine that what that is off the field as well, in terms of what they want to do off the field. Is it to buy young? Is it to buy experience? Is it to go down to Championship and work your way up? No one really seems to know. So I'm hoping the next couple of weeks, Samson fans see what the vision is, see what they're trying to do, see the infrastructure in place now we've discussed it we've written about this centralizing the scouting system what are the other things that's in place as well because i think it was in december they made that decision to overhaul or it got confirmed that they were making the decision to overhaul things and the fact they were doing it at such a precarious time in the in southampton's league position is a risk so they need to first of all before they do anything make any changes they've got to have stability they've got to have a foundation to build on and then on and off the pitch they can decide on what they want to do because right now there's just a lot of uncertainty and they've not been clear in their message well we got a statement from them yesterday glenn um which basically i'm paraphrasing but it said we understand that significant pr- improvement is required which is 
nice of them uh, to notice that. They're going to announce at the end of the season our immediate next steps and provide details of how the club will operate moving forward. What did you make of that yesterday when it came out? Because when I saw the club statement, I was thinking the manager's gone. This is good. We're cracking on. But no, <laughs> it, it was a statement to say there's going to be another statement coming. Yeah, it was really. I think um, like a corner flag. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't actually see it before I saw people's reaction to it. And there was a lot of people going in on it, and I thought, right, okay, let's let, let let's have a little read. <laughs> it was, it was puff, it was a puff piece, wasn't it? Really, it was it. It didn't really say a lot, as you said. It, it said the real details next week. We acknowledge that we've been relegated. That's kind of what it said. The line that seems to have triggered everybody was the bit about we fought tirelessly to the end, <laughs> which is <laughs> hilarious because Rasmus hasn't been at the games. He hasn't seen it. No, no. But I mean, just just. <laughs> Just out of interest, as a little diversion, did you see Leeds' performance against Newcastle mm. yesterday? Well, they were flying into everything. It was a little bit reckless. Um, so obviously I mean, that told... junior Furpo could have been sent off five times. I know. Ridiculous. <laughs> but the, the fact was is that they looked like they cared. They were fighting tires tirelessly, yeah. 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 yeah, and Allardyce was, you know, at the end of the day, a proper manager mm. has, has gone in there. And he's, they were a team that were accused of not trying a few weeks ago. and. You know, it's it's so to to say that we were um, you know <laughs> fighting tirelessly was hilarious, but yeah, it, you you could have accused it of being generated by by um, ChatGPT or something like that. <laughs> it, it didn't it didn't really say much, and and even even if it had words, are, words are cheap, aren't they? You you know, especially when they come from basically faceless people who you don't have any access to and you don't really get to talk to. Or, or hear from so the statement on its own was was a nothing really and you've got to see what they say in a couple of weeks time and more importantly what what they do in the in the the 10 weeks or whatever it is before um so when does the season start august the 4th or something uh, yeah, first weekend of august. august yeah it's less yeah. than 90 days to get it all sorted yeah. it's, not, it's, it's not long is it it's 12 weeks or something so you know we'll, that that's when um that's when we see if the if the words are hollow or whether they actually uh, lead to anything. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Um, we should probably just touch on the game briefly. Um, Steve, I'm going to... Let you it was sum crap. Up. I mean, yeah. Win or you're down was the, the headline. And we managed one shot on target. So, I mean, it, it kind of sums up the season really, doesn't it? I, I'll be honest, I was expecting a bit of a more gung-ho kind of Forest-esque approach, but um, apparently not. Yeah, I mean, this this is kind of what, what we said in the preview, wasn't it? That now that it's effectively down, we kind of expected 
oh, the pressure's off. It's fine. They'll they'll go and go and produce this this ridiculous open, free flowing attacking game, and and ev- everyone will be even though we'll be disappointed that we've been relegated. Everyone will at least come away from come away from the Fulham game entertained for basically more or less the first time this season. And yeah, what we've got was not that. I mean. <laughs> Good God, that was grim. Um, how, how many how many hours? No one can ever question your dedication. How many hours did it take you to get there on the coach yesterday? Uh, so, yeah, with train strikes, I got a National Express from Victoria down to Southampton. That was three hours on the road. I mean, it, t- it, took, an, it took an hour to get out of London. And, yeah, oh, it was just soul-destroying. Um, basically, we, with... we can't question your dedication, though, can we? That's... Well, yeah. Um, I, took, I took 20 minutes to drive from Edge End. That was too long. <laughs> yeah. It's just, uh, yeah, not 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 fun. Um, One to forget. Very much so. Jacob, just is there any inspiration we can take from Fulham? Because I was looking, you know, they've been relegated, what, twice in the past four years, I think, showing signs that actually, you know, for a time they were like up and down. It was them and Norwich, wasn't it? Up, down, up, down, up, down. And, and maybe we can get a bit of inspiration from them and, and, and try and, and be, I never thought I'd say this, but be more Fulham. Yeah, they're probably a little bit more experienced and streetwise in terms of knowing how to bounce straight back up. And they probably were a little bit more stable than Slampton are now, although I hope I like to think that the seas will calm a little bit. But I think you can take inspiration from the manager they appointed because you think Marcus Silva's stock, especially in England, was quite low when they, they, he came to Fulham. You think, okay, he might do the job in the championship, but then when he gets to the Premier League, he'll get found out like perception would have you believe uh, at Hull, at Everton, at Watford. Uh, but he's shown that he's got a style of play. Players are confident in it. Uh, and everyone that's being bought uh, because of the hierarchy is is improving that team. And as a result, they're managing to completely change their mindset of being a yo-yo team and one that's fighting in this mini league, almost in the middle of the table, to get as high as they can. Um, so, it, you know, it's the same with and- Alexander Mitrovic as well in terms of his renaissance. So you have to look at him, but you probably have to look at the other examples of rocky clubs going down with everything up in the air and seeing how they bounce back. Uh, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a difficult job. It's all about the manager, isn't it, really? And getting that right. So I'm just going to ask you, we were talking last week about how it would be great if we just threw everything we had at someone like Graham Potter. <laughs> uh, so not surprising this week that the uh, the name that's linked is Russell Martin, someone that never I'd never heard of. God. Bit of research today. Was it 19th and 13th with MK Dons? 15th and 10th with Swansea. Not a great win ratio. So it sounds perfect. For his us. team, his team plays cool. like the... the like the most passes in championship history or something like that. They are pass, 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 pass. Oh, look, someone's out muscled us. Oh, look, the ball's in the back of our net. Um, yeah. So perfect for us, really. Yeah, they, they they average high. Like I watched a lot of them last season uh, um, and they, they are adamant and steadfast and playing out from the back. It was ridiculous how many risks they would take, but they would have a lot of good technical players. You know, Flynn, Flynn Downs came on leaps and bounds last year for China Silent from Ipswich. So in terms of growing players, he, he's done a really good job and he hasn't got that much money. There's a bit of discord with the Swansea hierarchy right now. So I think he's done good. It's probably a similar appointment to Nathan Jones in terms of building from the ground up, but he plays far better football. Uh, he's a lot more dynamic and, yeah, he's one of the one of the many managers Slams have looked at, but I would probably say he's probably in the mould that they'll go with because if you're looking for this all-consuming, omnipresent manager, I think you'll be you know mistaken because I don't think Sport Republic, in terms of how they want to work with the hierarchy of Jason Wilcox having more say as a director of football coming in, that they want a manager that's going to be you know really dominant and having his say. They probably want someone that's going to work within the guidelines and have a real clear alignment, as they like to say. So Russell Martin would probably 
be be quite clear because one thing is for sure, Southampton want to move possession base next season. So you talk about the playbook, it's been used throughout the academy, it's still a big thing in the academy, it's just where that gets changed, where there's less emphasis on pressing. And now let's be a really heavy possession team because in a championship, I think they're looking at it, it's a slog, you know, choose Saturday having more of the ball will hopefully be more sustainable and hopefully be more consistent in terms of having results that will be more successful so what you're saying is it's not going to be Brendan Rodgers or or Graham Potter that kind of kind of ilk I wouldn't think so no no Good to manage our expectations. I think Potter kind of fits into that mould but he's his stock is much higher than, yeah, than exactly. we're likely to be able to attract but I mean, at least at least if that is genuinely the case, that they're looking for essentially the sort of sporting director um, with a head coach reporting into them type model, which I think most clubs generally are these days yeah. until yeah. they get to the point where they panic and appoint Sam Allardyce. <laughs> then, I mean, I, I kind of take that as a positive because at least that means that Stephen Gerrard and Frank Lampard will be nowhere near our dugout. picture, yeah, yeah. I want to preview the Brighton game just quickly. Glenn, I'm going to... Give you the honest of this. Yeah, the reverse fixture in December was probably the game that felt like the start of the Nathan Jones tenure as manager. Because I know we did the Liverpool game, then the Cup game. Needless to say, we lost three one, and Lallana scored that soft header. And I think we changed formation about thirty times that game. Um, It's we're both in very different situations now. But after their result against Arsenal, it's going to be um, it's going to be a tough one. Well, I remember last week they got tanked 5-1 by Everton didn't they um which has obviously shaken them up a bit and they've um and they've won today at Arsenal and handed the title to Man City not that they needed it handing handing to them anyway they've they've had a brilliant season haven't they they're in they're the same sort of place where we were in 2016 and uh I always found it interesting that Tony Bloom who I think is still their chairman um Mm. always held us up as a as a model to follow back in the day and he's obviously you know he's he's taken that and and run with it. They've they've already survived, you know, losing players this season. They've lost um, Trossard and Basuma at mm. various points of this season, but they re- replaced them with you know Mitoma and Caicedo, who are two excellent players who've who've done really really well. They'll probably lose Caicedo this year. They'll probably lose McAllister. They might even lose the manager. But they, you know they they already seem to be sort of like churning things uh churning things around bringing new players in so yeah fair fair play to them they've, they've done absolutely absolutely brilliantly this season and uh it was no surprise to me that they beat brighton today uh beat arsenal, arsenal today yeah. no surprise at all and they won't have to play that well to beat us obviously so um <laughs> i mean from i mean it, it, it could be horrible i mean we usually get a decent result there i don't think isn't we it in lost, there? We're premier league game there yeah, um, it, the same way a, that they've not lost a Premier League game at St Mary's. Yeah, it's a weird start about the away team always doing well, but um, I'm sure that record will end. Yeah, um, <laughs> we're in generous mood. Next Next Sunday. Sunday. Technically, we're not a Premier League team anymore. So, oh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I, I guess. So, I mean, I personally, I think the only way, if you assume we, we're not going to win, um, which I think is a pretty safe assumption, the only way we'll get something out of it is is giving some of the youngsters a game. Hmm. You know, not. Not eight of them or anything like that, but get one or two in there, at least on the bench or at least on the pitch at some point. And only pick players who you can trust to put in a performance or that are going to be here next year. Mm. So, you know, for example, I mean, if if it was me, I'd, I'd be having a work with people and just saying, are you intending to be here next year? Because if you ain't, I'm I'm not going to play here. So, I mean, I'd like to see, I mean, I'd, even James Bree, give him, give him a game or Lewis Payne. 
and then you've got and up front we've got absolutely nothing to lose because yeah. our forwards are useless. So give Kamari Doyle Don Ballard minutes. Let mm. you know get him in. You, you still War Prowse still plays obviously. I'd like to see Romeo Lavia given a rest. It's just we, we've been flogging him to death. We're now relegated. Give give him a week off and then you know give him put him back in the team against Liverpool for the last game. But uh, yeah, I just I just like to really like to see it shaken up a bit. But um, Mr. Defensive, I'm sure, probably won't do that. And we'll probably, you know, we'll probably turn up and have the same old crap out on the pitch that we've had in the last um, few games. He was hinting at it this week, Jacob, wasn't he? He mentioned that the last couple of games might be an opportunity for for some of the B-team players. I thought we might have seen a few more yesterday and I kind of hope that we would have done. But surely this is the perfect opportunity now, two games to go and nothing to play for. Yeah, it's, I think you've you've probably got to look at Don Ballon and Camidora at the forefront. If they don't get opportunities, then mate, will they be here next year? You've probably got to show them that there's a pathway, you know, uh, that they can get game time. And considering that there's currently two chain well there was two chain rooms uh, at staple for the first team uh, a couple of months ago under under jones because of the, the divide but also because there's just too many first team players imagine having to fit a few more players in as well to uh, train this week it's going to be uh, pretty problematic it's interesting unless, that the, the yeah. same the same very specific pro- problem has affected <laughs> both states and chelsea this season where they've literally had a, had an extra dressing room installed mad it's, it's very similar the way the clubs have gone really just relative to their size um but yeah, I think for, for me, Lord Ballard and, and Camidor, you, you have to look at, and I com- I completely agree. You you look at the players that are probably l- likely going to be here next season. You, it's not whether a case of asking them, are they going to be here next year? Because a lot of them will probably say, speak to my agent. Uh, it's mm, probably who mm. you think. So it could be Gavin Bazunu in goal, coming back in, James Bree coming back in, you know, Jan Benrick, you know, staying in that team. So yeah, I think there's a lot to do, but I wouldn't be surprised if he keeps it to, to players he trusts so that sees a case of Adam Armstrong had Eddie Yunusi coming as well for Jesus. his last two games <laughs> what's the mm. point but I mean you know that I know you're I know you're speculating but that that makes that actually yeah. makes me angry to think I might have to watch those two again because they're useless them. Yeah. The he, he, trust them to do what <laughs> press <laughs> trust them to do nothing they do nothing they're garbage I mean, the game against Fulham. Oh, sorry, I'm off on one now. That's all right. Let him go. Let him go. Go on. So, so the we had a, we know another episodes of Seller's sensational substitutions, didn't we? So at the end of the game, we ended up with Sekumara. Sounds like a far show. Adam sketch. Armstrong, Elianusi, and Musa Gineppo. What was Musa Gineppo smoking at halftime? He came on, ran around like an idiot, tripped over, crashed into someone, should have got booked. <laughs> and honestly, why, why why are we still giving these jokers minutes on the pitch? It's unbelievable that as a Premier League football club, you know, I know we gave Musa a new contract. That was another great decision, wasn't it? But and he actually ended up at left back, didn't he, for five minutes after he took Maitland Niles off, who actually wasn't that bad yesterday. And and just you know, it's it's I just the signs find, are all there, aren't they? The some signs of the decisions unbelievable. So Joe Aribo will play against just what you need in a game that's going to be full of pace. Yeah, what I want to yeah, know absolutely. is, um, of course, you two are going, which I think yeah, is excellent. I just want to know, what's the fancy dress? Are you both dressing up? 
Um, I mean, I mean, depending on, depending on how pl- how quickly it deteriorates, I'll be dressing up as a blue seat. I did see uh, clowns <laughs> discussed today, which uh, which I thought was quite <laughs> quite interesting and could be quite fun. But yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's one of those though. If if the weather's like it's been today, that'll be a horrible sweaty mess <laughs> that, no, that nobody needs to bear witness to. Two and a half thousand sweaty clowns. Um, right, going to do um, score predictions from you, Glenn. Score prediction for uh, for the Brian game, please. Um, Southampton nil. Okay. Um, what should we have? Three nil to Brighton. Three nil to Brighton. Okay. Uh, Steve. Four. Four. <laughs> I thought four as well, actually, but then I wrote mine down whilst I was watching the uh, the Arsenal game this afternoon. I mean, if, they're, if they're if they're even half as good as they were today, then we're in a whole world of trouble. Yeah. Um and Jacob, do you know what? I get a lot of people mocking me for my predictions and saying how you know I'm bottom of the league or whatever. But I'm, I don't know if people realise. But since January, I've not really taken it seriously. I've just gone for Samson <laughs> every time. Um, so for that reason, yeah, exactly. Um, I'm I'm going to change tack again. I'm going to go for a Brighton win, but I think Ward Prowse is going to get a free kick. I just hope oh, he's please. That's the kick. only thing we want to happen now, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, that's we've, that's we've all we're playing for. We've not even got one within like no. 40 yards of goal. They're wise to us, no. aren't they? Everyone's wise yeah. to it. That's all Saints have got. Yeah, don't, give so, away any, don't give away any free kicks and sit back and wait for them to mess up in defence. That's it. Yeah. So I'm going to go for a 3-1 defeat. 3-1 defeat. All right. Thank you. Safe travels to everyone that's heading down there. Uh, I did see someone this week said that they found the podcast a useful part of their grieving process uh, <laughs> and have done this year. So I really hope that the last 55 minutes has helped uh, in some way. And and don't forget, you can always get in touch with us during the week because um, there's another couple of weeks still to come. You can follow us as well on the socials. Of course, we're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. It's at Total Saints Pod. The website is totalsaints.co.uk. There's a link to the online shop there as well. We're also on Patreon where you can support Support the podcast with a monthly contribution is patreon.com forward slash total saints podcast there are four tiers and that's t-i-e-r-s someone said it should be crying tears because that would be more relevant but there are four tiers on there uh, ranging from five pounds to 20 pounds per month each of the tiers uh, comes with its own perks including the weekly shouts of course to those patrons in the francis benali and the mick shannon tier so thanks to dave melton mark atkins matt hall andy hollis and anthony thompson in the francis benali tier and also colt baker dave ernsberger ed busy nick higston phil cook matt rose and nick reed in the mick shannon tier cheers glenn thank you steve thank you jacob thank you for watching thank you for listening and we'll see you again next week away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.